0: Welcome, book lovers, to another Adapted. That's right. Today, it being the season that it is, we're going festive with Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. So stay tuned.
1: This is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary
0: on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We travel to jolly old England see a very mean old man no it is not the Grinch it is Ebenezer Scrooge and the classic tale of Christmas Carol yep. of Ebenezer Scrooge we have Marissa Serafini
1: hello everyone
0: and I'm Phil Svitek for another adapted first off couple of things a we assume that you know the story mm-hmm. because we will spoil a lot of things but hey that's why you're here aren't you Secondly, you can always download our rundown in the description box. Uh, Just click the link. It's a PDF, and you can follow along. And for those of you joining us for the very first time, welcome. Hope you guys enjoy. If you're returning, welcome back. And as we always do, overall impressions of the book, let's say.
1: Well, I'll just start. I'm not the biggest... Charles Dickens fan. Um, I've, I have read several of his works because of grade school and high school, mostly because they were, you know, required reading material during the school time. Um, I read him and I understand him. It He does take a while to get into, I feel, with all of his stories. But knowing that A Christmas Carol is such a beloved story, everyone loves it, Christmas traditions and all that jazz. Um, I You know, it, it took me a minute to, to get into this book as well. But reading it and seeing all the adaptations, because there's so many, um, reading the book made me understand how some things flowed so quickly throughout the movie now and the story, how it's like all seemingly in one night, but now we know how it's in one night. You know, the, there are some things that connected the dots for me compared to all the adaptations that have like certain elements and but putting it, you know, reading the book puts everything together.
0: Yeah, one one of the reasons why I picked it was the man who invented Christmas came out recently, and it hasn't gone as mainstream as a, as I would hope. But it was a great little movie and uh, worth checking out, which is basically a, about Dickens writing this book, mm-hmm. and it got me intrigued because I've seen so many adaptations, and we'll certainly talk about various ones. We haven't seen all of them; that would be too much. But nonetheless, I've seen enough of them, but I've never, you know, when it comes to a story such as this, oftentimes the source material just not get, yes, it's honored, but it gets lost. And so I wanted to read the source material. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I do appreciate it. Uh, luckily, uh, you know, Dickens to me is known for having these lengthy novels. This was to me actually a very quick read. And uh, even... When he was descriptive, it was still fast enough, and I understood it. He was, and what he was doing, uh, and we'll, we can certainly expand upon this when we talk about prose and language, but he kept reusing the same words and adjectives because they kept changing meaning.
1: Yeah, I noticed that too. And in, in the description, um, descriptions of, of everything. Um, and that's what Dickens is known for, because back then, that's when authors get paid by the word. So you're going to throw in every adjective you can to fill out a paragraph. Um, and I noticed some of the adjectives, like when he's describing one thing, he'll use anywhere from seven to ten to describe the same object. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Um, and then I think that's what lengthens out all of his stories, obviously. He gives it extra padding that it really doesn't need. And I think that's why Dickens is probably more appreciated by adults who can actually understand and comprehend and retain everything that he writes. Children cannot, not not in the best way that an adult could.
0: Absolutely. And, I mean... Yeah, we'll, we'll certainly talk about it. Let's, uh, let's backtrack a little bit. Let's talk about Dickens as an author overall, not just of this story, but of his other stories. First off, he, he does come from England, as a lot of the, I'm realizing a lot of the authors that we've talked about have. But, yeah. But uh, nonetheless, born in 1812, and a lot of his books tend to be autobiographical in an overall nature. Right? Whether it's uh, Oliver Twist, whether it's David Copperfield, and so forth,
1: mm-hmm. and he tends to have the same kind of common theme throughout all of his stories. is about either uh, a child, like main focuses on one uh, child or an adult that is lacking like family. It's more so on um, that self uh, realization, that self discovery, um, growing up and going through you know the harsh times that he grew up with um, with his father. Um, going to going to jail because of poverty and couldn't wasn't able to pay his debts. So he Dickens grew up a very um, poor life. So he transcribed that into most of his characters that there there's always like the struggle of a character going through something alone.
0: Absolutely, and he he had a big family too. Speaking of families and that, tying it to, he had ten children overall. Quite a large number.
1: Sign of the Times as well, I'm sure.
0: Indeed. And he started off as, as a journalist uh, at a very young age, from 17, and he kind of moved on up. And even by by the time he was 30, he had already written all of our twists and, and gotten a lot of notoriety. And in a sense, he by the time Christmas Carol came around, he was battling with his own success. And feeling like, okay, where do I go from here? And... Lo and behold, this would be one of his first Christmas stories. He had other Christmas stories. He tried to make it somewhat of a tradition, obviously, mm-hmm. this one the most notable, but but he just appreciated the time, and what one of the reasons why I really loved uh, The Man Who Invented Christmas, which is a movie about this, was the fact that Christmas was not what it is that we know today. It was kind of just uh, a, a, a lowly holiday, if you will overall
1: right and I also saw the man who invented Christmas and I thought it was a great portrayal of what Scrooge uh, like how that you know got concepted but what Dickens went through and the different situations that affected his life and his storytelling and I thought it was done in a very playful but very understanding way of how one can come up with such a great idea um, with the influence of his surroundings and the people in his life I thought it was very smart and very intelligently well done.
0: Absolutely. And he took a big risk with this. Uh, all in all because of he had uh, several flops at that point post Oliver Twist. And so not a lot of chances were being taken on him and he wanted to go off and make this before and he took a big risk before Christmas time had come, which didn't really give him a lot of time. And he really he pulled it off six weeks and and he did it now again, granted it's not his lengthiest novel, but he got it done
1: right and you have to remember technology wasn't around as it was as it is today, you know, so writing to take the time of concepting a story, writing it, getting it to the publishers, and printing it for distribution, six weeks is not. A lot of time at all, you even, didn't even in have today, a typewriter. Yeah, even in today, um, he, he hand wrote all this. So just to, and it shows like how great he is um, at writing to do something as lengthy in short amount of time. You know, uh, I, I think it's good because he had that time pressure. Sometimes I find people work better under a time crunch, and he definitely had a timetable to do this, and he wanted to do it before Christmas, and he succeeded. And
0: from my understanding, he's known for taking inspiration and names based off of people he sees and has met. Uh, so the line Humbug and, and the various ones about uh, that, are there are there no jails for these people? He took that from real life and people that he sort of felt bad for that, that could have been like Scrooge. And in a sense, at least the way the man who invented Christmas, not that that's gospel by any means, but the way they portray it is it seemed like Dickens just overall want to write the story as a means of heckling Scrooge. But then eventually like any other story, you can't write a story where you hate your characters, even the mo- most hated character you can imagine you have to have love for. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes this story so special is the fact that uh, you know, tiny Tim lives and Scrooge is redeemed because if those elements weren't there, which it seemed like that was heading that way. Right. It would just be like, oh, okay, well, great.
1: Right, and I think that's still true today for for normal readers. It's like, how dare you ch- kill a beloved child? He's like, you're terrible. How how can you write such an awful ending? And um, no one wants to read that because that's not a satisfactory ending to a story. And I, I liked the, how you know he deals with um, such a. Terrible man, I don't want to say terrible, but like such a difficult man such as Scrooge. Everyone you, you see all the characters that Scrooge you know um, interacts with, and they're still very cordial with Scrooge, and they still put up with his bad um, attitude and they're still very nice to Scrooge despite how Scrooge is to them. And I, I think it shows that maybe even his his people and his peers still saw some good in him in, in that sense.
0: Absolutely. Let me ask you this because one of the things that came out for me in the book that I had that I don't remember seeing much of is the reason why Scrooge became the way he is. Which is, in The Ghosts of Christmas Past, it revealed a lot of the backstory.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And all in all, it, the book made it seem like it was very much because of his loss of this girl that he loved. And I can't, unless there's a version that i've yet to see i don't remember that being too much part of the adaptations which is interesting because that's the whole crux of it that's why like yeah he he always had goodness in him but life had just beaten him down right and he was hurt he 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 didn't want to show his emotions uh, so lest they get broken again
1: right see i i did grow up with the story um Over and over again, you know, watching movies and stuff. I thought there was, like, two main factors that caused Scrooge to be the way that he is. His loss of his wife and his loss of his sister. And um, so there was a lot of death and loss. uh, And so I I feel like um, he was afraid to love and open himself up because he was afraid of loss. And that also translated to his business, too, um, his fear of losing money. And you can see how... He doesn't want to, at the beginning of the story, he doesn't want to donate money to, to God because he's so afraid to let things go. He, he's holding on to a lot of things, and that's also why he doesn't open up to people because if you let them in, you can also get hurt. So um, I, I saw a lot of things, and it's more out of protection for himself. It's a yeah. defense mechanism
0: in a way. Which has become, in stories, an age-old thing at this point. Mm-hmm. the the fact of oh the the lesson of oh well, you're trying to protect something from not getting broken, but you're not really living, yeah, that sort of theme um but overall you know i i I thought he did a really good job of transforming Scrooge throughout the book. It never felt too much, too fast. The only part to be honest um that I thought <laughs> where I was sort of laughing at Scrooge was at the end when when there's the, the, the funeral and they're talking about the body and so forth. And he's like, who are they talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, where do you think this is headed? Come on.
1: Right. Of course. They're talking about you. Um, I, d- I did like the progression of Scrooge because even in the first flashback, if you will, when the Ghost of Christmas Past takes him to his past, when he first sees himself as a young child, he's still very happy in a way while he's pointing out people that he used to know that's coming into the story. So it shows that at one point in his life, he, he was a happy kid. So what happened along the way to make him turn so unhappy? Yeah. And you see that slow progression of, like, that self-realization, and I think that's what people enjoy while they're reading, that that journey.
0: And what... It- what I, I think works really well for the story and something that also works really well for the movie, you you, could t- you sort of talk about this a lot in storytelling is um, in comedy, it's the rule of thirds. You know, you try to hit a joke three times. Mm-hmm. In writing, you have a beginning, middle and end. Well, if you have three ghosts, one of Christmas past, present and future, it, it, it sets up a very... Um, good structure to work within
1: yeah it's that three act story and that's also why this story is so easy to translate to theater as well because mm. it is a three act structure um, and, but it's so conveniently structured and told it's, it's so understandable where the three main points of his life that shows how Scrooge became Scrooge him as a child him as middle age well, middle aged, but like a young adult to an older adult I think it's smart. It's very smart.
0: Yeah. And one of the things, you know, Dickens had this whole thing in mind. He called it a Christmas carol. And uh, the chapters, they're not called chapters. They're staves. Staves. And there's five in total. The beginning one, then the three ghosts, and then the end of it all. Hmm. Uh, so, So it plays really well in that aspect of it. And therefore, you could see we're not going to talk about the theatrical versions of it too much. We're going to talk about the movie versions. But you could see why... Um in addition to just tri- adapting it, they've made musicals of this. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, if you're gonna call it a Christmas carol, let's let's have some singing in between and, and make it go full out.
1: Let's have some actual carols. Yes. Yeah. Um I I liked it. I, I grew up with a few main ones on a regular basis. Uh the one that I've seen the most is the nineteen fifty one uh, a Christmas Carol with Alistair Sim. And only because my father loved that movie so often. Every year we'd watch it multiple times. Not just once a year, multiple times. And as a young child, little, little Marissa, that movie gave me nightmares. Every time I saw a ghost, because such a simple movie back in 1951 and the special effects, are creepy as heck, man. Oh my gosh. Watch- watching it as a five, six-year-old, I got legit nightmares every time we watched it that film so watching it again as an adult because i just we watched it recently and i it's still creepy and i think that's where practical effects does a great job of not like not to say it didn't age well but it's so effective um that's still creepy and it makes the audience scared while you're watching it makes scrooge scared while he's being encountered by these spirits
0: yeah uh and a lot of people have dubbed that one as the greatest one of all. Uh, surprisingly enough, the first one came out in 1901. Wow. That is the earliest adaptation ever, and that—I mean—that's at the start of movies in general. So yeah. that's how that's how uh, important this story has been. Uh, and for- that's
1: when movies didn't talk yet either.
0: <laughs> no, they did not. I don't think they even had music at that point. They were just no. kind of there. Uh, for me. You know there's uh the Muppet Christmas Carol. I think that's a fun one. Yes, they adapted that, and that has a lot of singing um, and but you even have some strange ones, like um uh, the Bill Murray one Scrooged
1: which I actually never saw
0: it's a, it, It's very different because it's it's not actually Ebenezer Scrooge they're putting on this production of it, and he's a TV executive, and he's basically going through what Scrooge went through. So it's inspired by it, but it's not an, a direct adaptation. Um, the yeah. most recent one to date is uh, The Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey back in 2009. But, I mean, there's so, so many adaptations just in the movie space alone.
1: I remember when the 2009 came out. I never watched that one in its entirety. I saw bits and pieces of it. But that was when uh, 2009 was when like 3D was starting to really boom. And I remember that they... They were like really pushing it. They're like, Christmas Carol in 3D, see it now. And I think, remember the promos, it's just uh Scrooge flying over the city because in the Ghost of Christmas past, that's the first time you see him fly through um the window. And just looking at it in the promos and stuff, it, it's a pretty film, and that's for animation as well. So I think they were definitely gearing that towards the children, um, for, for that film and that. that-
0: that's what's so great about this novel or we'll call it a novella since it's technically a novella yeah is the you know there's there's a lot of way takeaway from children i mean for for adults it's a tale of redemption like hey change your ways now for kids it's a cautionary tale and so it works it on is. both levels um and and i appreciate it in that way i i to be honest um I don't know, when you look at this book, one of the fun aspects is, you know, Christmas is such a filmic idea, both mm-hmm. in terms of just color, just like pure cinematography, how you can make it work. You have a lot of great props. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of great set pieces. Uh, you know, you have, in this case, you have a lot of great characters, starting with uh, Jacob Marley, then the three ghosts. And they're each very different um tone wise obviously too each set is different because it gets as we get towards the end we get a lot more grim mm-hmm. you know at first everything's very jovial then with the present we're kind of in between like it's good but tiny tim we're 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 teetering that fence there and then we're we're at the end of it all you know of sadness
1: Right. And, and, and you, the good thing you mentioned Grimp, because in so many adaptations, they, they tend to change all the characters like Muppets Christmas Carol. Like they would change um, the Marley to be, you know, uh, someone or the Ghosts of Christmas or like in Muppets Carol. They change Marley to two people. Yeah. Um, so, like business partners, quote unquote, and then uh, they also change one to a female, and so the different adaptations, and they they generally play with the first and the second spirits, but the third one usually consistently through all the movie adaptations, it's still very Grim Reaper type of ghost. They don't change that one at all because that's the most serious one. And I think if you change him, yeah, Thank Marley. You. Yep. They're fun. They're fun. There's, they're two, and and you can laugh. You can laugh and have fun with the first, first and second. You can't mess with the third.
0: No, not at all. Because if 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 the third one doesn't work, um, the third one doesn't work. And and generally too, they don't, they don't mess with Tiny Tim. No. Tiny Tim is they they put him with various different characters and give him different traits, but he's always the character who's going to die and who's got um, um, the crutch. crutch.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the good thing, too, that they don't change his character because we're su- the audience is supposed to love that character. If you don't make him an innocent young boy who obviously does not deserve to have such an unhealthy life and all this is happening towards him and he obviously doesn't deserve it, um, you're that automatically sets up the audience to like this character and feel bad for him. So when he does die, that's a blow to the heart.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: if you change that, his death won't be as impactful.
0: Indeed. One of the things that I that happens in the book that, again, that I've yet to see in the movies is the aspect where, you know, at the end, what, the narrator's talking and he's talking of Scrooge and he says anyone who didn't buy into Scrooge's newfound transformation, well, he didn't care. And I appreciate that because it's, it's it's part of reality in the sense that, yeah, so, some people won't just accept you like overnight that you've changed. Mm-hmm. But hey, you know what? If you truly have, then that's on them. And I thought, I thought that was a nice little addition to throw in.
1: Yeah, I think that's smart because some people are going to be reluctant to believe um, overnight. But I think the great thing the book does that I don't think the movie explains as well in any of the adaptations the book shows how he kind of cheats three nights into one night because you see scrooge keep going back to bed where you think and then the narration literally explains oh he slept a whole nother day so every time he sleeps just goes to the next night he skips 12 12 to 20 hours so technically if you read it it's three nights all condensed into one night the movies any adaptation just shows us all one night
0: yeah because it's it's strange in that way because then you have to kind of make believe that he went back in time Mm -hmm. you know rather than just he woke up on christmas day it was like oh i I still have you know i still have the ability to save christmas essentially and do what i have to do
1: right so if you want to be literal Um, With the story, you can essentially think it's actually three nights, and three days is actually enough time to have someone change their ways compared to one day.
0: Indeed, indeed. Um, Let's see, what are are some of the other changes that I... over. Oh, uh, the narrator, right? Uh, What I I appreciate, the book itself, the narrator is very jovial, right? And he pokes fun at Scrooge every now and then, but then he also has the right... um, sense of, of, of love for Scrooge. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, like uh, towards the end when he says, or I think, I think it's also in the beginning when, when uh, Christmas passed, you know, that Scrooge was laughing. And it showed me anyone who laughed better than him and I would want to be friends with him and things like that where it just made it very personal. And I think that um, not in all the uh, translations and adaptations, but for the most part, that translates really nicely because you can play with that in a movie as well.
1: Yeah, I think the narration was great. So it's especially just, you know, reading it because it shows that the narrator really does know Scrooge as a character before the reader does. And it, there are moments where it feels and like compassion and empathy towards Scrooge like you were saying, but then there was also moments where it really shows when Scrooge is like about to have a breakdown and then you feel bad for him. Um he, the narrator likes Scrooge just as a person because he knows his journey and we don't. You can say that's like the dramatic irony, but never once was it like truly biased towards Scrooge.
0: No, no, not at all. Um, and, uh, you know, what I just liked overall, it's so fun because you can have the, what has been highlighted is that you can have multiple iterations of this story and they all work. Mm-hmm. none has to be better or worse than the other they're just told differently and certainly I'm sure not something that um, Charles Dickens set out to do but it applies really well one of the fun things he did actually do though um, he he wrote a lot of Christmas stories after that um, but then it got to a point that he just got so busy with other novels that he said okay let me just he, he found a way to shorten this and he did public readings of it And uh, one of the things I appreciate about Dickens was it seems like he was a very busy person. He wasn't just a writer. He was constantly just doing something, Um, whether it was public speaking and writing for that and and writing his books, short stories. And and even just he was a big journalist and editor for newspapers and so forth.
1: Yeah. And and the great thing about his newspaper job, it, it gave him assignments to write stories and and uh, you know I don't want to say interstitials but more of those periodical type of stories that you would find in newspapers so to give him like short columns that just helped kickstart his writing of just like because if you think about it this is a very short story so it trained him to think of short stories um, as quick and in such a quick turnaround absolutely so and I think that's why he could write the story in six weeks. <laughs>
0: I agree. Although there was a lot of pressure on him.
1: Yeah, a lot.
0: Uh, And, you know, one of the things that just because of how true he was to it, uh, Bah Humbug is such a very classic line. And Merry Christmas, many cite like, yes, it was used way before Dickens' time, but he really popularized it um, at a time when it wasn't that popular. And that's what I find so fascinating about this about this no- novella and the fact of, you know, you, you one of the biggest takeaways is that, I don't know, we're all redeemable.
1: Yeah, and I think the great thing why Merry Christmas stuck so well in this mov- movie slash story is that it's coming from a character who at the beginning you would, ironically, would never think he could ever say Merry Christmas because at the beginning... Uh, He's always saying all the reasons why he doesn't like Christmas. It's like he doesn't want to do this. Uh, p- there's too many people out there, you know. He just wants to be "quote unquote" left alone. Um, so to hear him say it so merr, you know, merrily and joyfully at the end also makes just the 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 line "Merry Christmas" very impactful.
0: Indeed. As far as the actual prose of the book, uh, I you know, very very Victorian. A lot of exclamation points. Yeah, definitely a British spelling of lots of words like mm-hmm. color, um, and just like interesting phrases that uh, I'd love to see some, a little bit more of every now and then.
1: Yeah, no. And if anyone knows me, I love Victorian England era stories. I've read most, if not huh, I don't want to say all, but I've read most of the famous. Victorian stories that came out in the late 1800s, you know, like Dracula, Frankenstein, Mary Shelley and all all the Oscar Wilde. Um love those stories and I think those are also very green, grim, grim penny dreadful kind of stories as well. But they do have that same structure of um, really going into a very descriptive analogy of of things, of situations. Uh, there you, you you can definitely tell there is a certain writing style back then and um charles dickens had the same style as well
0: absolutely um so i guess all that sort of remains is two questions one what is a part f- what is your i guess for you your second favorite adaptation since i guess you <laughs> named the 1951 and i'll answer my number one and then two um who's your favorite character um overall overall so why don't we start with the first question
1: so my second favorite would obviously be a muppet's christmas because i think that movie did such a great job of explaining it for children too like i said earlier children aren't gonna really understand the story as well Um, so that did a great job of telling the kids oh this is what Scrooge is doing now. This is what Sc- Scrooge is towards these people. Um, he's going home, and he's doing this after he just talked to bit, Like, really clear-cut, explained it to a so-called kindergarten, and kids love this film. And, and they added songs to it, which is fun and memorable, too. And I think that's why everyone watches this movie as well every Christmas. I mean, I watched it over the weekend. It's still great. And I'm an adult now. And I think... They just did a great job of making it fun. There was great actors in it. Michael Caine is phenomenal. But Scrooge, yeah. Yeah, and this version, it was also very colorful, too, because of the different Muppets. So I, I think they did a great job of gearing it towards the adults and children, too.
0: Um, this isn't my favorite. I'll give my favorite, but uh, I appreciate the fact that there's a Mickey's Christmas Carol. Yeah. Of course, Disney got in on that, and I think, uh, I think that's great because... People love Disney, and seeing the various characters in that world I think is a lot of fun. So shout out to that one as well.
1: I remember that one. I watched that as a child. I have not watched it in recent years.
0: <laughs> no worries, no worries. Um, I would say uh, the Scrooge, the musical, the 1971 with Alec Guinness, uh, I think is a good one, and Albert Finney. Okay. Because I I think that one gets cited a lot as well, especially because it's a musical, and, um, you know, the 70s in general for movies is such a golden age of film. Yeah, it is. Uh, So I think this kind of fell right in there, and they they did a good adaptation of that. I
1: wish we were alive during that time because Alec McGuinness at that time was huge as an actor. He was, like, one of the top leading actors of Hollywood. So when that film came out, I'm sure had such a great turnaround and everybody watched it.
0: Absolutely, and is, is uh, stuck around, that's for sure. Yes. Um all right, so who's uh who's your favorite character? Is it Tiny Tim? Is it Marley?
1: It's it's actually not. It's Cratchit. I've always loved Cratchit and Good every, old Bob? Yeah, Bob Cratchit in every adaptation because he's still nice to Scrooge, despite Scrooge treating him like crap. And but I, I love the moment during um, Ghost of Christmas Present is when every time we go to the Cratchit house and you see this whole family, um, despite being completely poor and close to, you know, impoverished, they they still have that family. They're still together. They're still loving one another. That's when that I think that theme of just be happy what you have no matter how much you have, Because so long as you're with the people you love, that's all that matters. And I, that, just that moral message always stuck out with me. Um, So to show Cratchit being such a good guy, despite, you know, his financial status, he's still a good guy.
0: Well, also, too, he defended uh, Scrooge overall as well. Mm -hmm. At a time he didn't have, I mean, he's with his family. It's not like, you know apart from Scrooge actually being there how the hell is he supposed to actually know that Scrooge is listening in on him and so the fact that behind closed doors he still has nice things to say about Scrooge obviously is a huge testament to who he is as as a person
1: yeah he's just a good guy and you feel for him and because at the beginning when the Scrooge when you find out that Scrooge pays him literally pennies you know nothing and he just works hard for him he's just an over bob cratchit's overall just a good guy
0: Absolutely. I also like the nephew. I think he was of similar disposition.
1: Yeah, Tiny Tim?
0: No, the nephew.
1: Oh, oh, oh yes. His, his actual nephew. Scrooge's nephew. Um, yeah, because, you know, it's also family because you you can see those moments when even his family tries to get Scrooge into the Christmas spirit. But overall, at the end of the day, it's like you're still family.
0: Mm-hmm. Alright, well, there you have it. Um, that has been A Christmas Carol here on Adapted. Uh, we haven't officially picked what we're going to do yet. Not yet. But that just means you'll have to follow at TV and at Phil PhilSvitek of course on Twitter and social media to find out. Or let us know in the comments what you'd like us to do next month. We'll find something fun.
1: Yeah, we've, we've done a lot of English authors. <laughs>
0: yes, as we look back on it hundred yeah. percent.
1: Let's let's maybe mix it up with an American author.
0: <laughs> what are we thinking? Mark Twain, Stephen King.
1: Mark Twain, Stephen King. We have uh, something. Or we could go dark. I, I feel like we haven't really gone a dark story yet. Who mm. knows? There's so many options.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll certainly keep you updated. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. You know, we wanted to do this because I know this is a little bit of a timestamp, but you can always go back to it when you want, just like a Christmas carol. We want to be here for the holidays for you guys and talk about a great Christmas classic. Uh, but regardless of what holiday you actually celebrate, mm-hmm. have a good one.
1: Have a, have a great holiday. Merry Christmas to those who celebrate Christmas.
0: And a new year. Bye.
1: From executive producers Kevin Undergaro, Maria Menounos, and Jeffrey Masters. Thanks for tuning in to Book Circle Online. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment. To suggest a book title or their author, you can tweet us at Book Circle On. This is Book Circle Online. Thanks for tuning in.